Welcome to Hockey Prospect Radio. Your voice for prospect news and analysis on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Now, here's hosts Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. Welcome to Season 18, Week 4, powered by Instat Hockey, offering the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. I'm Shane Malloy with Brad Allen from HockeyProspect.com. Uh, in the first two segments, we're going to talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning prospects with their assistant general manager, Stacy Roost. Stacy, thanks for coming on the show again. We do always appreciate that. Yeah, thanks for having me. Always enjoy going on the show. Well, let's uh, chat about your first two round picks from last year's draft. We didn't get really a chance to chat with you guys. The draft sometimes goes much quicker than people realize, and you guys are on the floor, and it's a lot of furious action. So I'd like to get your thoughts on Isaac Howard. Now, when he came down to talk to us, because we're situated right beside the tables on the draft floor, and you know he's in his suit with his belt buckle, um, styling, um, I thought he was one of the most engaging pe- young people that I'd met in a long time. And certainly he oozed confidence in, and I think he understood who he was. Some people like they take time to figure out who they are. He knew who he was. And was that something that attracted you to him as a player? Like obviously there's skill sets and hockey sense and all the other things, but you know, personality and who they are as a person and how they're going to fit within your culture, that matters just as much so was that part of the conversation you guys had after um, you know before the draft and then afterwards after having the chance to you know meet him up in personal yeah for me first first off when you when you scout the player you want to like the player as a as a hockey player we, we really like his skill and his, and his work ethic and you know we've heard good things about the player and and obviously watching him we like him so and then when you meet him and you talk to him he's confident he's he's he's, he's driven he knows what he has to do he 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 has a plan and, and uh, you know, meeting with him obviously before the draft and, and then before we, we actually picked him in the first round, you know, heard, like you said, heard good things. Um, really, really enjoyable, uh, you know, kid to be around. And, and we knew he was going to put the work in and, he's, and he started that process and you know, we're excited to have him in the organization. Stacy, big time production from him. Uh, he led the program, not points per game. Obviously that was Cooley, but still led the program in total uh, points overall. Uh, one of the reasons that people felt that uh, he dropped you, including myself, was that uh, although he's a, a gifted offensive player, there's work to be done specifically with his um, a game along the walls, being stronger on pucks, being able to maintain possession along the walls at a higher frequency. Is that one of the key areas that you have honed in on in terms of his development and the strategy you're looking for? Yeah, I mean, right away, we, you go to development camp and you see the skills that he has and 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 the way he can he can handle the puck and shoot a puck and, and, and pass a puck and and seize the ice. And then, you know, we, at our development camps, you, it's more of just a, you know, instructional and, and skills, skills. And, and, and we do a lot of that kind of work. And he obviously right away, he, he understands exactly what he has to work on. And that was one of the big areas that, you know, he needs to improve on both, you know, in the offensive zone to, to, to dig pucks off the wall. And then, you know, along the defensive zone to get, make, make more, uh, you know, offensive plays, but also more safer defensive plays. So he's putting in the work and, and uh, you know, he's, he's really, really driven to, to get better and, you know, spending, spending a lot of time uh, working on his, on his craft and, and, you know, hopefully it'll pay off uh, this season. With him going to Minnesota Duluth and obviously the success of that program, having Scott Sandlin and his staff there and their reputation of producing players that are well-rounded, but can handle pressure situations because that school 
for whatever reason, you know, I give Scott and his, you know, his coaching staff a lot of credit. They play in a lot of high profile, big games. And how much comfort does that give you guys knowing that he's in a system with people that consistently help these players develop and recognize what they need to work on and help guide him through that process? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're very happy that, he's, that he is where he is. And, and uh, like you said, they've had great success and played in a bunch of big, big time games, big high pressure games over the last number of years. And, and uh, you know, he's, he's in a good spot. He knows he understands what, what exactly has to be done and the work to be put in. So, you know, now it's going to be up to him to just get his, you know, settle in, settle into his role and his get his season start and get some games rolling here and, and uh, you know, see how the season goes. What I like about the choice of school that he went to is the conference they play in. That's kind of like the big boy conference. It's, more pro oriented than perhaps the other conferences I find in college hockey and what he needs to work on really he's thrown into that type of league and that almost forces him to like look at himself and be have a lot of self-improvement because he's going to be challenged every game yeah you're right I mean it's uh it's it's you say big boy hockey there and and I think he know he he knew that when he picked that school and he was happy with the you know with the choice he made and I love the way they have a plan for every individual player. And, and uh, like we talked about before, the, the success of the, of the program, you know, falls back on everybody having a plan and, and everybody's putting the, the proper chair there and they have to earn one thing there is you have to earn what you, uh, you know, the ice time you get and they, and they make you work for it. And I think it's uh, it's a great spot for them and we're looking for, for a big successful year from them. I want to ask you about Lucas Edmonds. And I like the fact that sometimes the 19 and 20 olds get dismissed a little bit when it comes into the entry draft and we've sort of, some people forget that they're draft eligible and talk about that process of drafting, you know, Lucas after a fantastic year as a 20 year old with Kingston and just lit it up offensively and really dominated. And, you know, he was the man in many respects in that, in that, on that team and about his next step of, you know, moving into Syracuse in the American hockey league. Yeah, and whenever you went and watched him play, you, you really appreciated his skill set and his, his his you know his skating and his sense, his hockey sense of making plays. And uh, you know, every time he left the game, he was one of the one of the best players, if not the best player in the game. And you know, our scouts really appreciated that. We all we all like that kind of fit into the style that we play. And and uh, you know, it's all new to him now, turning pro a little. You know, being that he is wasn't overage last year, but still, he hasn't been to many camps. And and it's uh, it's a big jump from going from from the OHL into pro hockey is, as you know, relatively new process for, for, for Lucas. And, but uh, very happy with, you know, adding him to our, to our talented group of, of forwards there in, in Syracuse and, and into our prospect pool. And, uh, you know, we're looking for big things. Stacy is the, the biggest standout quality for him offensively. The timing is that that seems to be for me in my viewings, I felt like, uh, not a totally dynamic talent, a good one, but not a dynamic one. But where he made up ground for me was just his timing of plays, his recognition of when to time his passes, when there was an open uh, seam on the goalie, or when there was an opportunity for him to shoot through traffic. Is that kind of what defines him for you? Or is there other aspects that really stand out to you that really make you think he can, he can translate properly? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good, good, good point. Good way to put it. I think, the, you know, just the hockey sense, it's just, you know, his, his, his head's up all the time. He's making plays. He's finding the open guys. He's, you know, even when it looks like nothing's, you know, there's no play there to, to, you know, nothing going on. He'll find something. He'll, you know, I thought last year he really, you know, had to puck a lot and, and find, you know, time and space for himself and, and gave it to his, uh, you know, a lot of his teammates that were open. So 
you know, a very, very smart offensive player. And, uh, you know, like I said it's going to take some time to adjust in the American league. Cause it's, it's not an easy league and a lot of, a lot of young players, and especially when we have a good competitive team there in Syracuse with, uh, you know, some good competition for ice time. So it's, it's, it's not an easy league, but he'll, he'll get going and get his feet wet. And, uh, and uh, you know, we're, we're going to be happy with, you know, adding him to our group. Are those the conversations you have with him? You know, sort of remind him, you're a young guy. It's your first year pro. You know, we have a very deep team. You know, you're going to get some, you're going to get ice time, but you're no longer the man. You're no longer the top dog of your team. And there's, you're starting the process fresh again, almost like when you were 17 again and sort of reminding him. And that's okay. Cause everybody does that, you know? So he doesn't feel like, you know, I'm all like, this is all on me and I'm like, what's, what's going on. And I'm un- uncomfortable and they lose their confidence that sort of remind them that you're no different than anybody else. And everybody else went through the process as well. Oh yeah, exactly. And, and I think the big thing is when you get there and, and, and players are smart when they get to, to any team, whether it's Tampa or Syracuse or, or Kingston or, or, or whatever team they're on, they, they know exactly where they're, you know, who the players are and where they kind of think, think they fit. And, and uh, you know, the first year, first year pro is a little bit, like I said, always a little bit tough because all the best players in, in you know, the NHL, all the best players in the world are there. Then now the second tier, the American league, you know, all our best prospects meet up in Syracuse if you're eligible to be there. And now it's about, you know, the coaching staff is in charge of, of who, who plays and how much they play. And, you know, our job is to get there and, and offer every resource and all of our development tools and, you know, whether it's power skating or skills, but when it's time to for the roster to come out or the f- time for the puck to drop for, you know, opening face off for the game, it's, it's up to the coaches to put out there who who's earned it and, and who deserves to, have, you know, to, to, to get the ice time. And then ultimately who's going to help the team win. So that's also a little bit different uh, maybe when, when, when you're in junior and, 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 you know, it's a, we get, get to Syracuse and get to the pro levels. It's, you know, you're, de- you're developing, but uh, you know, every night when the puck drops, it's, it's time to win some hockey games. We're going to take a short break on Hockey Prospect Radio, but we're going to continue to talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning right after these messages. You're listening to Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We are back and powered by Instat Hockey, offering the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. We're continuing to talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning prospects with their assistant general manager, Stacy Roost. Stacy, let's talk about another rookie in the American Hockey League with Jack Finley. And I remember seeing him when he was 15 and he was a massive kid then. But like, of course, his dad, you know, who played in the NHL for a long time, was a very big man, too. But, you know, we were talking about off air, like he looks like he's still growing. He might end up like six, seven and 230 odd pounds. And right now I think he's around six, six, two twenty five. But for a kid of that size, what really impresses me is his coordination. Cause you know, sometimes the big guys take a little bit longer, particularly if they have large like growth spurts, but I think he's really uh, found a way to be very athletic for a big man, which I think really makes him, you know, potentially dangerous as he, continues to evolve um and he could end up being one of those real premier two-way players because that range like you just can't buy that range you know he puts out his arms and he's like a condor like how do you get around that guy yeah you're right he's he's a he's a he's a big big uh big big guy and 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 i think i was saying to 
every time he comes to a development camp or training camp and he just looks like he grows and he's, he's getting thicker. He's, he's always comes to camp in really good shape. He's really diligent with his, you know, with his diet and his workout plan. He's very, very focused, very mature, very mature young man. And, and we're really happy with his, you know, really good start to the season in Syracuse had a really good camp in Tampa. Um, yeah. So very, very happy. You're right about the, the coordination. He's, he's in always, you know, even on the power plays in front of the net, tipping pucks, and he's on faceoffs. He's got good hand-eye coordination and and uh, gets around the ice uh, very well for for a big body. And and he's getting better. You know, working with our staff and getting better. He's putting in the work. He knows exactly. You know, growing up around the game as a youngster, you know exactly what it kind of takes to to play the pro game. And he's got that pro mentality. And and uh, he's a very good prospect. We just mentioned off air about how there could be some comparisons to Elmer Soderblom when he develops. I remember the last time we talked about him, Stacey, we discussed how there's still a little bit of perimeter in him, but it was more of the byproduct of the physical growth rate, needing him to physically develop, fill out, get more comfortable, getting knocked off balance and still making plays. Is Do you feel that that area has improved for you and is starting to show show itself in, in uh, daily and showing itself more consistently in game to game. And do you expect him uh, as he becomes a full-time pro and as he comes up with your team down the road, that he will be a net front presence and be very dangerous and even strength there too? Yeah, I, I think he, he, he knows exactly the game he has to play. And we're obviously, we're, we're communicating with him and we're trying to give him, you know, you know, whether it's uh, you know the power skating or the skills and, and, and the mindset of, of getting to that net and, and using yourself. I mean, I don't, don't see him, is just a net front guy at all with his, with his range and his hands and he can make plays. He has good vision. So trying to, you know, teach him obviously the full 200 foot game, very responsible defensively, good on faceoffs, good penalty killer, not afraid to block shots, but you know, offensively, uh, you know, don't, you don't have to always defer to, to your line mates and you can make a play and you can protect pucks. And, and I think the biggest thing is, is now if you watch him, you know, very, 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 uh, you know, the skating's skating's quicker, it's faster, more powerful, and, you know, he's getting in there. He's the first guy on the forecheck. He's stealing pucks now, which is, you know, which is, you know, back in junior, maybe your, your two wingers go for, for a little bit of a rip and go, for, go get some pucks. But in the program, if you're, if you're not getting in there and stealing pucks and, and causing havoc on the forecheck, it's tough to play. And I think he's, you know, that's for me is one of the biggest, biggest, you know, areas he's improving, improving on. And, uh, you know, he's a very good student of the game and, and, uh, you know, he's, he's, you know, progressing nicely. How how is exciting for you watching a kid like this develop because he could create such great matchup issues for other teams when you put him on the ice. Like what other cent how many centermen in the NHL could potentially match up against him physically as he can like if he comes in as a 23-year-old, how do you handle a guy like that? And then it just provides different options for you know your organization and your coaching staff. No, yeah, exactly. I think, and that's the biggest thing is, is, you know, him recognizing and, and us helping him, you know, utilize and maximize his, his size of being six, six and in this, in the range and the, and the length that he has and, and, and just getting him to understand and getting him to play the, you know, that powerful, powerful, uh, you know, 200 foot game that, like you said, winning, winning faceoffs on the defensive end. And then just a handful down, down below the top of the circles in the offensive zone is, is a, is a tough matchup for a lot of, whether it's defensemen or, 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 or centermen defending, you know, in the, in their defensive zone. So um, just, it's a process. He's, he's, he's doing well. We're happy with where he's at and, and uh, he's a good prospect for the Tampa Bay Lightning. I want to ask you about Gage Goncalves. And it's really interesting, you know, when you hear in the public, they talk about 
the other t- other organizations in the NHL where their prospect pool lands and they try to rate them, which I always find them a little bit arbitrary in that respect. But and maybe they put you guys down at the bottom, but then all of a sudden you got guys like Gage that you, people sort of forget about second round pick. But then you look at his production and how he's developed in the American Hockey League in Syracuse. You know, like you, I don't think you guys could be happier about how things are progressing for this player too. It's just another second round pick that seems to be pushing his way towards the NHL. Yeah, very, very, very smart, very competitive. Um, another, another, uh, you know, just the hockey sense for Gage when you watch him play and the way he, the way he plays the game, whether it's you know on the power player in the offensive zone or even the defensive zone, and and system wise, he figures it out really quick. So. Um, you know, we're happy with, with, with where he's at, you know, still obviously like, like a lot of players, you know, still needs to get stronger. His skating's really improved from, from his draft year to where he is now. And, and another player that when he, now he's able to get in on the forecheck and steal pucks and, and back check and, and, and catch, catch guys with his legs, which before I think maybe was a little bit of a struggle, but you know, uh, he's really, really coming along nicely, really improved. And you know, once again, with the hockey sense and the way he can make plays when, when the pucks on his stick is, is a guy that I know a lot of our guys in Syracuse really like to play with because if you're open and uh, and you're on the rush, he's he's, he's going to find you. Do you feel like he's a he has those almost beautifully refreshing elements of old school in him, where he's just fearless? I feel like this player, it doesn't matter who he's matched up against defensively, it doesn't matter what the play calls for, he's going to sacrifice, he's going to get something done for you. Is that is that one of the the main mental characteristics that really helps uh, get the production from him that he has? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Maybe, maybe earlier in his career, maybe a little bit too fearless with the puck uh, in some in some areas for some co- some coaches. I'm not going to name names, but yeah, but, but he uh, he no, but he's really really starting to really figure it out and and managing pucks better. And and uh, like he said, with his you know he's he's a big lanky you know, uh, lanky body that that is is getting stronger and he's and he's able now to you know to separate some guys from the pucks. He has a really good stick, kind of like a Sorelli or a point that. You know, gets in the corner. He's got those quick hands to to lift sticks and and to win battles, which is uh, you know it's it's not hard to teach, but that's kind of a natural natural skill that that Gage has always had, and he's he's definitely getting uh, better and better at it. And it's just you know helping his all around game. Stacy, if you notice through the number of players that you draft, that you guys are not afraid to pick, take players that need a little bit of work on their skating. And, you know, we've talked about players, you know, over the last few years about guys that you've taken that have some deficiency in their skating. And how much is that based on what you guys not only value, but that you can think and you're confident that we can help that player get better as a skating because everything else is going to make that player better, but you're okay with a player who just needs a little bit of work there. Yeah, we're, we're, yeah, for sure. I think we're confident, you know, in our development team and and and, and the strength. I mean, I think at the NHL draft, still, they're, at, at such a young age, a lot of it's just strength. You, you know, you know, you don't get your strength until you're having gone through it. For, you know, for myself and and, and former players I'm working with, you're in the business, you're talking to, like until you're 22, 23, 24, you're still getting stronger every year. That's when you you find out, I guess, you know, how strong you know, and you're, you're a player is battling and, and, and how, how, how good his skating can get. So we're not, you know, obviously we'd like him to be very smart, very competitive, super skilled and, and, and really fast skating, but chances are it, it, they're, they're gone really early in the draft. And that's what make those, makes those players special, special players and special talents. And, you know, with, with where we've been picking lately and, and in our success of winning a couple of cups and having to move some, some big, 
you know, high, high end, you know, higher draft picks for, for high end players to help us win. You know, we have to, uh, you know, our scouts do a great job of, of really, uh, you know, honing in on, on, on the competitive hockey sense, competitive athletes. And, and then, you know, if they need some help on skating and, and if we feel they can get stronger off the ice, we we're confident in, you know, Barb Underhill and Tracy, Tracy Tutton and, and Mike Ellis and JP Cote to help, help them get along and, and come up with a plan to, to make them skate better. And, and, but then ultimately it, it comes to the athlete. They have to be the ones, they have to be competitive and they have to be willing to put in the work, which, you know, is on our scouts to, to find those players for us. And then, and then from there, it's, uh, you know, you start and get to work and, and, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully it, it pans out and hopefully they put in the work and, but it's not going to be from, from us, uh, not giving them uh, all the resources that we can. Stacy, we want to thank you very much for coming on the show. We always appreciate the insight of your prospects and good luck through the season and safe travels. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. That's Stacy Roost, the general assistant general manager, almost gave you a promotion of the Tampa Bay Lightning. <laughs> and Brad and I'll be back right after these quick messages. Welcome back to Hockey Prospect Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We're back empowered by Instat Hockey, offering the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. We're now going to talk about the Washington Capitals prospects with their assistant general manager, Ross Mahoney. Roscoe, thanks for coming on the show. It's always great to have you on. Well, it's my pleasure. Well, let's uh, chat about your first round and second round pick last year. We didn't get really much of a chance uh, with the draft, it goes probably pretty quick and we don't really, uh, sometimes we get a chance to talk on the floor. Sometimes we don't. And I was really interested to know which player, which player or which team is going to take Ivan Miroshenko. I mean, with all the health issues that he had, obviously, you know, the Russian factor that some people thought was going to be an issue. And then when he went to you guys, I'm like, I just basically shrugged. And I looked over at Steve Coolius and Scott Lawton and I just said, that's Washington being Washington. Like they're going to take the players that they want. They're not afraid to take regardless of where they are. And they're looking for the high skilled players that fit within what they deem is a Washington capital. And I just thought in terms of his skill set and hockey sense, just a style of play that he, he fits what you guys have really done in, you know, the last 15 years of drafting is that's your kind of player. Well, we were really happy to draft Ivan in the first round. Um, our scouts really liked uh, some of his attributes. Um, they thought he had a, uh, a tremendous shot, uh, liked his goal scoring ability, also liked his vision for, uh, for a player who can score. He can also make really good plays, uh, an unselfish player, uh, liked his uh, hockey strength and, and really liked his character. I think, um, the character came through in him being assistant captain on the under 20 team in November, uh, last November, you know, as a 17 year old also captain of the Halinka team. So I think those are, you know, some of the, some of the you know, major attributes that the guys really liked about him. Um, obviously we were happy to get him where we got him in, in the first round. Uh, you know, he did, uh, you know, have an unfortunate, uh, you know, circumstances there with his health, uh, having Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, you know, we had the opportunity to talk to him in, in uh, Germany and, at the under 18, he was there uh, taking treatment. Um, and then we, we, you know, Zoom called him again and then later, and then we interviewed him at the draft. And 
you know, the difference between looking at them then and looking at them uh, at the draft was, uh, you know, quite uh, remarkable. I think how, how well he had progressed and uh, how he was feeling. Um, so I, I think that also speaks a lot for his his courage and, and him as a person, what he's gone through and, and how he's uh, handled it. From your perspective, when you look at him, how much is that character aspect draw in? I mean, you look at it with every player, but from his circumstance, I think that says something about, you know, his willingness to do whatever it takes. And that translates to every part of your life. Yeah. I, I think it's, like I said, for a young guy, a 17 year old and, and what he went through um, to be able to, uh, to fight through that adversity. And, and uh, you know, I, I think he, like I said, he handled it uh, really well. Um, I, I, like the outlook he had and kind of the perspective that he had on it. And, and I think it helped him, you know, kind of be able, like I said, being able to deal with uh, the adversity that he did have with the, with a health issue at that time. Ross, how, how significant is it for you to have a player like Alex Ovechkin to help Taylor? I feel like there's so many similar elements in terms of a power game. They're big, heavy forwards and they have incredible shots uh, that they both use in the left circle on the power play. And they can both wire a shot from distance off the rush. How much of a factor did that play in for you, knowing that he could get uh, get his game um, developed with, with Ovechkin there? Yeah, you know, it's it's obviously having Alex there, you know, for for younger players from uh, from Russia and and actually from from anywhere from a hockey countries, you know, um, it's obviously someone that they would look up to, and and uh, there are some comparisons there, as you said. Uh, Ivan does have an excellent shot, you know, he has a right-handed shot. Um, he has that ability to score. I think he's proven that when uh, the under-18 tournaments or the Halinka tournament. So, yeah, no, for sure, it doesn't it doesn't hurt to have uh, Alex there. Like I said, whether it's for young Russian players or or young players from uh, from any country, I think, uh, you know, they obviously look up to him and what he's accomplished so far in his career. Well, how much was it a relief to Ivan, um, you know, coming to an organization that, you know, has obviously Alex Ovechkin and has had many successful Russian players and that there's a certain comfort level about coming to your organization with having that in place. And then, you know, the relief because of the unknown for him, I mean, that must've been a really tough time because obviously, you know, with having Hodgkins and then going through all that stuff, not knowing, you know, how things would play out for him. How excited was he when you got the, when you guys had the first chance to talk to him and go, you're you're a Washington Capital now, and that must have been a lot of relief for him and a lot of emotions going through you know him and his family. Yeah, I mean he's obviously I think all those young players when they get their name called out at the draft they're very excited and but I think for him I'm sure there was probably some uncertainty in his mind you know where he might get taken um, like I said because of uh, you know what he went through and. And I mean, I remember looking at it and uh, seeing him in Germany at the under 18 uh, championships. I think he was there for his second round of, uh, of chemo. Um, and then we did a Zoom call with him later. Um, and then we interviewed him again at the draft. And it was pretty drastic, the changes that we had saw from, from when he was, you know, having his treatments to, uh, to like I said, interviewing him at the draft. But uh, yeah, I think there was probably a lot of uncertainty for him where he was going to go and Obviously, he was uh, very excited, as were we, uh, when we called his name out. What's the next stage in his development path, uh, path Ross? I, I felt like one area in my personal viewings that, that he could certainly improve upon was his puck protection, 
uh, specifically when he's peeling off pressure. There were times the frame is there and the handling is there. He has both of those elements. I feel like they're not always in sync, uh, and he doesn't have the the best instincts for when somebody's coming down on top of him uh, and and he can't see it. Uh, is that is that an area where you guys have, have looked at and said, okay, he's excellent off the rush. Let's try to help develop his cycle game so he can take better advantage of his frame. Yeah, you know, I think he is uh, he is a pretty strong player on his skates and. Uh, I think like a lot of younger players that are that are skilled that you know they could you know work on as you said using their body for puck protection or being able to you know keep defenders away from them but you know we have a tremendous uh, development staff led by Steve Richmond you know with the uh, Jim Slater Brooks or pick uh, Ole Kolzig so you know I know those guys are going to work extremely hard with uh, with Ivan in all aspects of his game and uh, he'll be in good hands uh, with our development team I want to ask you about Ryan Chesley, who you took in the second round. And, you know, you look at him as a right-handed shot defenseman, has good size, he can skate, he's got a good, really good shot. What elements of his game, now that he's gone to the University of Minnesota, that that you guys looked at him and said, there's just too much value here, and he's our type of defenseman. You sort of look at how the Washington Capitals draft defensemen, and I thought, again, he fit the profile. Like sometimes you're surprised by where teams, what teams draft, what players, but for you guys, it just never seems to be that way. You seem to just find the mold and that's the player. And you can say best player available, but they just seem to like fit what you guys are always looking for. Yeah, no, I mean, I think we have a philosophy, you know, within the organization, what we're looking for in, in young players. Um, and as you said, Ryan does uh, fit into that. Uh, I think going forward, uh, we're going to see him provide even more offense than he than he had in the past. Uh, it's kind of interesting, though. I mean, he, he played a more of a shutdown role and more of a penalty kill role in the under eighteen team. Um, I think his partner was, you know, probably allowed to do a little more freelancing with the puck. And yet, having said that, I think Ryan scored uh, the most goals of any defenseman in the program uh, as a seventeen and eighteen year old. Um, and I think it, as far as games played, I think Ryan might have been sixth as far as uh, most goals by a defenseman in the U.S. under 18, under 17 program. So the offense is there. I just think he was asked to play more of a two-way defensive role. And, and I think, like I said before, uh, we'll see him probably take a step forward as far as his offensive abilities this year at the University of Minnesota. Well, was part of that too the, the fact that when he was uh, up on the power play, occasionally he was used on the half wall. He wasn't used uh, uh, across the blue line there, so he didn't get as many reps in. Do you feel that with more reps, he'll be able to utilize his skating base more often uh, to, to find those seams and, and get shots through at a higher clip? Because as you mentioned, I feel like one of his best offensive qualities is the shot. Like He has a heck of a shot. Uh, so do you feel it's, it's just about making sure he knows how to set that up when he's, when he's crossing that blue line? Yeah, and I, and I think it's uh, probably a matter of just being able to to work at it and be able to execute it in a game. Like I said, it was more a lot more penalty kill last year situations, very, very little power play. If it was, it was almost the last 15 or 20 seconds before, you know, the power play was up. So I think he'll, you know, it's just a matter of, like you said, getting more reps in, in a game and being able to, uh, to work that. So I think that'll come... Form at the University of Minnesota for sure. 
We're going to take a short commercial break. We come back. We're going to continue to talk about the Washington Capitals prospects right after this. Prospect news and analysis. This is Hockey Prospect Radio with Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We are back and powered by Instat Hockey, offering the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. We're speaking with Ross Mahoney, the system general manager of the Washington Capitals, about some prospects in their system. So let's talk about some more defensemen, right-handed defensemen at that. Uh, Vincent Arrero, now he turns 20 in November, so he has a late birthday. Um, so he's now jumped into the American Hockey League. And talk about that transition for him coming out of the Western Hockey League. Had a great season last year with Brandon um, and making that jump. Uh, you know, he's a bigger kid, you know, so he's got the size. So that certainly helps him in that respect. Um, so he's not going to get completely overwhelmed, but like some of the smaller defensemen. But chat a little bit about what you see and how he's going to be able to transition into the American Hockey League because that it's tough on young defensemen in that league. They're, they don't, <laughs> you're thrown into the deep end of the pool in many respects and, you know, told to swim. And I think it's a steeper learning curve for defensemen, I think, than any position in the American League. So how do you think he's going to be able to transition through that? Yeah, you know, I, I as you said, he had a real good year last year uh, in Brandon, played, played huge minutes. Um, maybe sometimes in some games played too many minutes. I think there's always kind of a, a certain amount of time where, you know, defensemen, I guess, you know, play their best, uh, depending on how much they're playing. Um, uh, Vincent uh, really worked hard over the summer. Uh, I think when we drafted him, he was six, two and a half, about 190, 191 pounds. He's up to six, three, about 205. And it's good weight that he put on. So, you know, he's put on close to 15 pounds, which I think will really help him with that transition into the American Hockey League, which, as you said, is a great league, very competitive competitive you know there are tremendous players there um i think he's in really good hands with our with our coaching staff down there uh patrick weller uh, runs our defense in hershey uh patrick is a really good teacher good educator i think he'll help vincent a lot and, and hershey is a good team you know they've got some real good veterans uh and those veterans i think really play a key role in and helping younger players like uh, Vince Nairoyer or or, or, uh, or Hendricks Lapierre make that transition from junior to to the American League because it is a big jump, and I think a lot of times the players don't realize how big of a jump it is until they until they get there. But like I said, really good coaching staff and uh, some real strong veteran players that'll that'll help them out. When looking at his development, I, I felt that he was. Uh in his draft season, at least very inconsistent when it came to his exits and his, his stretch playmaking. It, but when it was in, when it was dialed in, it was dialed in. And that's when you got to see a real, real savvy two-way player that could emerge. Uh, do, do you feel that uh, heading into the AHL that his success rates and the ability to get called up by you will depend on his consistency with his retrievals and his exits so that you can be, uh, that he can be a reliable presence for you, essentially? Yeah, no, I think that's a real good point. Um, I think younger players, especially defensemen, like consistency is really important. You know, I think, as you know, when you get to the NHL, you have to be a consistent player no matter what position you're 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 playing. But I think for young defensemen, no, for sure, consistency is going to be uh, you know a big part of of developing them and getting them on their way to the NHL. 
Ross, how much of that inconsistency comes from, and I've seen this in other young defensemen that play a lot of minutes, particularly when they're like 19 or 18, and that they get so tired physically that all of a sudden, you know, mentally, emotionally, they start to get tired. And that's where the mistakes come in and just trying to like understand the context of the situation. All right. The kid's already at 28 minutes. We're like, you know, seven or eight minutes left in the third and he coughs up a puck or makes a mistake. How much is that? Like you recognize, okay, yes, that's a mistake, but you know, he probably shouldn't have been out there playing that many minutes anyway. And it's going to be based on him being just mentally, emotionally, physically tired. No, for sure. And I, I like I said before, I think it's uh, you, you try to find that what is what are good minutes for that player, and it could it could vary depending on the on the defenseman, you know. But let's say your minutes are optimum minutes are kind of twenty three to twenty five minutes. And as you said, all of a sudden you're playing thirty two minutes a game, and you know I think you start to pace yourself, um, which probably isn't a good thing because then your gaps aren't as good as they should be, you know. And as you said, when you're playing too much over too many games, you know the the mental aspect of the game too could suffer a little bit, which as you said, it relates to the consistency and being able to make the same play the same way all the time. So, yeah, it's, you know, sometimes you're going to be called upon in certain games to play more minutes and that's fine. But I think when you're doing it on a consistent basis where it's too, too much time and too many minutes, it actually can be a bit of a disadvantage to you and to your development. I want to ask you about Brent Johnson. I know another right-hand defenseman who is in North Dakota and you, we, we saw a bunch of players from North Dakota graduate this year. And is this a great opportunity for Brent to take his game to another level? Because opportunity will be presented to him now that, you know, he's a sophomore. He's going to have more opportunity, more responsibility. And that's his chance to take that next step. Because I sort of noticed that when he was a Sioux Falls, like by the end of that year, he had more responsibility. Um, and I think this is a, like for him, I'm really intrigued to see what happens when he takes on that responsibility and pushes, pushes himself to another level. No, for sure. And I mean, it, he's in a really good situation there at the university of North Dakota. You know, I really like the, the program. I like the way they, they uh, treat their players. Um, you know, when you go into North Dakota, you learn that you have to be a very consistent player. You've got to play, play well every shift, you know, you have to earn your ice time. Um, they did have a bit of a veteran team last year. And I think at the start of the year, you know, it was a little bit harder for Brent kind of in and out of the lineup. And then uh, he got his opportunity really late in the year. And I thought he played really well. And that's carried over into this year. Um, I think he might've had three points in his 23 games he played last year. And I think he's got three points in the first four games this year. That's right. So he does. He's, he's getting a lot more ice time. Uh, he's taken advantage of that. Uh, once again, as, as with uh, Vincent, uh, Iorio, um, he has uh, worked hard to improve himself physically. Uh, I think his draft year was 5'11", about a 161, 160 in that range. And I think he's up to six foot 180. So I think that's that's helped him out a lot. I mean, college hockey, there's uh, there's some older players and they're strong, you know, very strong. And they work really hard off the ice. And once again, it's a learning experience for some of these younger guys and they they play that first year and they, they want to play more and uh, they dedicate themselves to working hard, not just on the ice during the off season, but off the ice. And, uh, and it's paid off. You know, we're, we're hoping uh, for big things for him this year. One of the most fascinating aspects of his game offensively for me, Ross, was his ability to 
uh, blend his shooting and playmaking together so that he used the same mechanic at the, the beginning phase of, of each shot or pass type, which made it very difficult for opposing teams to recognize if he was actually making a pass or, or attempting a shot on net. Uh, I felt like that was like what allowed him to generate as much offense as he did in the USHL. Uh, has that started to carry over in college? And is that one of the reasons for his increase in production uh, that comes with the confidence with it? Yeah, I think he's, uh, you know, I think first of all, you, you have to get that confidence and, and, you know, play a regular shift and, and, uh, you know, get handle the puck more in those type of situations. But you're you're right; he, he is very deceptive. I think the way he uh, shoots and passes the puck, and and you know that was one of the qualities that really attracted him to us and to our U.S. scouts. Uh, you know, AJ Taves, Jeremy Browning, and Rich Algier. You know, they they really like the offensive ability that he uh, brought to the game, and we thought he did a real good job at quarterbacking power play in Sioux Falls and. Uh, yeah, I, I just think he's uh, he's very heady when it comes to to playing offensively and, and like you said, excelling on the power play. Well, they, he plays in a really tough to conference. Like it's big, strong teams. And do you think that's going to help him, you know, he goes through this year, maybe plays another year in North Dakota, help him transition into the American Hockey League when you're playing more of a, a heavier game like, like they do in that conference? Oh, no, for sure. Yeah, there's some really good teams there. I think they're, you know, it's a, it's a great conference, uh, good coaching on all the teams. Um, and, and I think it's, it's good to, to be challenged every night, you know, to be playing against uh, high quality teams. And I think it only makes, it makes you a better player. Well, I want to thank you very much, Ross, for coming on our show. We always appreciate it. You're looking sharp, uh, safe travels, and we will hopefully see you down the road soon. You know what? It's always my pleasure. Thanks very much. And uh, take care of you guys. It was good talking to you. That's Ross Mahoney, Assistant General Manager of the Washington Capitals. We're going to take a short break and stay tuned for hour two right after these messages. Welcome to Hockey Prospect Radio, your voice for prospect news and analysis on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Now, here's your hosts, Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We're back into hour two of Hockey Prospect Radio, powered by Outside Edge Hockey, hockey player development at OutsideEdge.ca. We're now going to talk about the Boston Bruins prospects with their newly minted assistant general manager, Jamie Langbrunner. And we want to dedicate the next two segments to Keith Garman, the Boston Bruins chef, uh, who I know is beloved by uh, everyone with the within the Boston Bruins organization and particularly obviously the players who he fed um, and kept happy for all that time. So Jamie, our condolences go back out to, uh, to you and that organization. Yeah, I think, uh, thanks for, thanks for doing that Shane. And Keith was a special, special person to, to everyone involved. And, you know, a guy that just did his job to an amazing ability and the, uh, you know, really, really put the team in front of himself uh, always, and you know, he's a he's a special special human that uh, will be sorely missed by by all of us. Well, and you know, sometimes we forget there's so many of those people behind the scenes that make uh, the engine move forward, and they may not get the publicity, but they're uh, they're a vital component to what happens on the ice every day. So. And let's talk about some of the guys on the ice. Uh, let's chat about John Beecher. I'm, I'm curious because we've talked 
about him with you um, over the last couple of years, just monitoring his progress, you know, especially because obviously he's a first round pick, big, strong, strapping kid at six, three, well over 200 pounds thoughts on him taking this step. I know we got like nine games in the regular season. And I think another two in the playoffs with Providence last year. And I love when the guys get a cup of coffee like that. Cause it helps them. I think it helps them acclimatize quicker thoughts on, what he did with Providence at the end of the year and then how that's going to help him with his first full season this year. Well, I agree with you completely. Those couple of coffees as you call them are, are, I think so vital one for, uh, um, getting acclimated one and two to see how far you need to, to work, how hard it's going to be that next level. Um, you know, I think, uh, a lot of guys don't really understand what the American league looks like, maybe expect it to be somewhat easy, but, I think they find out pretty quickly how what a difficult league it can be and how important that step is in, in their development process. And, you know, I, I think Johnny stepped in last year at the end and, and, and played well. You know, he he was fairly productive in his games. You know, we, we were able to put him into some some important, op, you know, per, important positions, uh, some power play time that he wasn't getting a lot of at Michigan because of their talent level and, you know, some of those things that, that I think helped with his confidence. Um, Johnny came into camp uh, looking well or looking good. He's he's in shape. He's his skating is is obviously his his best attribute. That you know he has a gear that that most players don't. And you know showed well. Now we're we're working on getting uh, all the fine details into his game to to make him an effective pro. And you know I think he's well on his way to to get into there. Jimmy, with his toolkit and the skating base, do you feel that the there's a real versatility within his game and he's more of a Swiss army knife style player at the pro level for you long-term and can kill penalties, win important draws, uh, be extremely impressive on the forecheck. Are those the main, are those the main qualities you look at with him uh, long-term for, for the Boston Bruins? Yeah, I, I think you, you hit it pretty good there. Um, you know, part of that that we're working on now is, is the arriving on the forecheck, you know, using those, those God given talents of his, of his size and his skating to, be more consistently difficult for opponents to handle. Um, he, he is strong in the faceoff. Uh, you know, he has uh, he has an ability to skate around defenders and and, and really make it uneasy for him. Um, so we're just working and building those consistencies. Swiss Army Knife's a good. You know, I think he can play either the wing or or in the middle. Uh, you know, I, I think that'll help him in breaking into the league and you know getting his feet wet. That he he's going to have that versatility, but. At the end of the day, I, I think we envision him as a, as a center with uh, with those with those traits that that's going to have the ability to contribute a little bit offensively. He's not a, a natural scorer, but with his speed and his his strength, he has the ability to get to those areas. And you know, we're continuing to to drive that home of doing that consistently, night in and night out. I'd like to talk about Mason Lowry as well, a big defenseman who is very comfortable carrying the puck and moving, moving it up the ice as well. And, you know, now he's in his second year at Ohio state university and talk about that, the step that he's going to have to take from freshman year to sophomore year. Cause although it's freshman year, like I think a lot of, he surprised a lot of people. Like everybody knew he could produce points, but coming in as a freshman and you no know, stats aren't everything, but that raised a lot of eyebrows and made me go back and watch other film on him. So what's the next step for this kid? Like, 
Um, is it really like with play without the puck? Is that the next step for him to really sort of solidify some of the things that, you know, maybe gets neglected because, you know, you're so singular focused at pushing the puck up the ice. Well, first, first for Mason, unfortunately, he got injured there right at the end of last year and, and missed the playoffs and, you know, had, had surgery and is coming back off of that. So, it, you know, the first focus has been just getting him back up to speed um, this year and, and going from there. Um, but you're correct. It's, it's, you know, Adam McQuaid's done a, a really good job of starting to work with him on some of those defensive details, positioning, um, body positioning, getting his feet up ice, you know, little things that he hasn't had to really worry about because, you know, he's been offensively tilted, but to, to play at the level and the spot that we want him to be able to play at, uh, it's going to be vitally important for him. So he's showing some growth. Uh, Adam's very encouraged with the, we'll call it 12 month growth from beginning of last year till now, where, you know, we saw a lot of deficiencies that uh, made us nervous from the defensive standpoint. And now we're starting to feel more and more comfortable. His, his length, his, his poise with the puck offensively uh, on the blue line, you know, especially for his mobility for, uh, for a guy that size um, is, is pretty impressive. So we'll continue to work on dialing those things and while not taken away from you know, what makes him exciting is, is his offensive play. So it's just finding that balance. And, uh, you know, we're, we're very happy with his progression. And, you know, I, I think in the next probably four to six weeks after he gets fully back up to speed, uh, I, I think we're going to see a pretty, pretty dominant player in college hockey. In his draft season is the last time I saw him admittedly. And uh, he, was very, he was very rough physically. Uh, so I was going to ask you about the physical progression of, of him. Uh, do you feel that he's he's really coming around now uh, through having to go through more rigorous uh, physical day-by-day -day, uh, training and obviously on the ice, a, a heavier product in college? Yeah. Uh, you know, he's, he's been putting a lot of work into that. Um, you know, again, unfortunately, injury made him have to focus a little on that more so than the, the overall uh, development piece that we were preferred in, in a summer like this. But he's still made progress. You know, he's – He's added bulk to his to his body in in a, in a good way, and uh, you know it's going to allow him to to handle the battles and and be in those uh, at the pro level. Um, you know, and it's part of the the natural progression of a kid. Like you know, when you saw him, he, he was a raw young kid. Like he he may have been a nineteen year old, but he was he was still young, you know, body wise, and you know, it was part of what intrigued us for, about him was was the potential of growth there, and he's. You know, he hasn't disappointed in that. He's putting in the work. You know, he, he came in and spent a little time in Boston this summer doing a little extra work with our guys, and they were extremely impressed with his his work ethic and, and willingness to, to really, really go after it. Is the injury, in retrospect, sometimes it can be a blessing where – and then he's focused to work on something specific in terms of his conditioning and his body type and how he needs to, to be physically to be able to take that next step and sort of get out of the kid body and into a man body. Yeah, it, it, it can be. I guess time will tell with that. Um, you know, I, I, I think, uh, you know, for his standpoint, missing out on the playoffs last year, you know, those type of things, you, you know, that, that hurts a little bit. Um, you know, those games to me are very important in, in, the, in the development process, but, uh, you know, it's part of the territory of, of playing, playing on this game is once in a while those things are going to happen and you got to learn to handle that adversity. And, you know, it was a, 
it was a challenge for him early on. You know, he he pushed off surgery a little bit, trying to hopefully uh, get ready to be able to play in the playoffs. And you know, so you you know exactly where his where his head is of, of wanting to help the team and wanting to be a to be a player. And um, that part was was really good to see. Not that we question that by any means, but it's uh, another you know way of just affirming to us that this is the type of player that we like and uh, the type of guy that's going to do whatever he can to, to try to make it. We're going to take a short break on Hockey Prospect Radio. We come back, we'll continue to talk about the Bruins prospects right after these messages. You're listening to Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We're back in power by Outside Edge Hockey, hockey player development at OutsideEdge.ca. We're talking about the Boston Bruins prospects with their assistant general manager, Jamie Langebrenner. Jamie, I want to ask you about Fabian Lysel, and I will admit that I'm always wary and nervous for, nervous maybe is not the right way, but wary when 19-year-old kids go into the American Hockey League because it's such a massive step, whether they come from Europe or from the CHL or from college. But talk about like Fabian Lysel's game in terms of what you saw last year in the Western Hockey League with the Vancouver Giants and then what you what you guys collectively discussed and then saying, okay, I, we think he's ready for the American Hockey League. Yes, he's 19, but you know we think his game is at a level where we think the transition will be much smoother than an average 19-year-old. Yeah, there was there was a lot of discussion on that. I think uh, he probably had the same concerns um, as you. Uh, nervous would might fall into that. Um, but in in talking with him and and what he wanted to accomplish and and where he felt that would uh, best be served, uh, you know, it was decided that we would we would try that I mean there's always the option of of sending them back if, it, if it's not working and um, you know he was ready for that next challenge so you know it, we, we worked out to to give him that opportunity um, you know he's a he's a, an extremely driven kid that you know wants to wants to push the envelope and, and wants to get better and you know I, I think having him around around our group daily was something we we definitely wanted to try to, to help facilitate that and uh you know we've obviously only played one week in there but you know it, it feels like he's he's pretty comfortable in there and uh and we're able to provide him with a, a good opportunity to play in some, some key situations with some, some pretty good players he should be he has four points in two games <laughs> <laughs> he, he does and uh you know i i think the, the exciting part for us is you know he went into a away building in Springfield, which is not an easy place to play. It's a, you know, a little smaller rink and a physical opponent and, uh, you know, put up three points in, a, in, uh, in one of those type of games and, you know, controlled a lot of the play, which was what you want to see is them being able to thrive and, uh, you know, not just survive in that league. And, uh, you know, obviously credit to him for, for a good start. Uh, Jamie, you mentioned uh, wanting to push the envelope, which I, I feel like uh, is, is a good way of almost uh, summarizing how he plays on the ice sometimes too. Uh, and sometimes it's for the best because he's an electric talent, obviously, who can, who can drive possession. But then sometimes he, he oversteps it. And I felt like, uh, especially in his draft season, Louie, and then when he came over to the dub in the, in the first season, 
Uh, he would overhandle the puck when he shouldn't at times. There, there was a, a bit of puck mismanagement, I guess I would, I would call it. Uh, do you feel that that's starting to wean out of his game? You're starting to see uh, more progression in that sense? And, and where are you in terms of his overall development from an offensive perspective? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I think that's that's always a, a concern uh, with those type of players if they're going to learn to find where that line is. You know, like we always say, there's there's no perfect players, and you know, do you want them to drive? Do you want them to be difference makers? Yeah. So you know, we're trying to find that line with them. Um, you know, I, I I think one of the the things that impressed me most, um, we're doing our exit interview out of. Uh, out of main camp and he walks into the room and says to, to Sweens and I, I'm not ready for this league yet. You know, like he's, he's a very strong self-evaluator. Uh, he knows where his game is. He knows where his weakness, you know, he knows he needs to get stronger. He knows he has to manage bucks better. He wants to be a difference maker. And I believe that guys with that type of mentality will, will find that line. Um, is he going to cross it once in a while? Sure. But that's also why he's going to be, probably very productive as well. And, you know, his, his mentality is to be a difference maker and, you know, we're, we're going to continue to work with that and there'll be times we'll, we'll probably shake our heads at him, and there'll be times we'll be very thrilled. Does that come down to in many cases when you have a guy who likes to possess the puck, likes to drive play and about really understanding when to use the give and go effectively because that enhances his game. It creates some time and space for himself, but also for his line mates. A hundred percent. And and I think especially with a player of his, his size and, and physical makeup, you, you need to play that way. Um, you know, to play at the NHL level around defense, you're going to have a heck of a time if you're not playing that give and go. Um, they're just too big and too good to, to be, they're going to wear on a, on a guy like that. So he's learning it. Um, you know, we, we're fortunate. We have a you know, guy like Vinny Letary, who's, I'll say similar size to him, the centering him in uh, in Providence, and a in a really strong pro with a with a good work ethic. But you know, kind of taking him under his wing a little bit, and you know, talking to him, and, and does some of that give and go, and, and is a willing shooter that you know Fabian likes to have uh, on his line. So, you know, it's it's early in the American League season, and you know, we want to be taking our time with him and, and allowing him to, to, to continue to grow because we think he's an important prospect for us and, and, and a guy that can be a can be a difference maker in the in the top half of our lineup. I'd like to also ask you about Brett Harrison, and we don't want to get on this injury uh, discussion, but those things, like you said, happen. But he's another big strapping centerman that I think has some potential moving uh, once he moves into the pro ranks. And talk a little bit about what you saw from him last year, because I thought last year was really that was the breakout season for him. And you just sort of. I like to see what the progression is after that happens into the next year. Yeah. You know, I, I think he had an up and down year overall last year. Um, you know, I, I think what we're stressing with him is finding that consistency in games. You know, he's uh, he can shoot the puck very well. He has a, he has a good frame. I, I think he thinks it well. Um, I want to see the motor going more consistently. Uh, I want to see the, the details in valuing both ends of the ice consistently. Um, you know, I, I think last year, what was a good year, you know, I put perspective, he, he barely played the year before that as well. So it's, you know, this is a, this is a goofy age group that's, it's gone through quite a bit and, 
you know, being patient with them as they, as they find their way, you know, unfortunately for him, he gets hurt and, you know, OHL preseason and misses, uh, misses rookie camp and camp, which, you know, been a good time for him to, to, to continue to grow, but he's back up healthy now. And, you know, he signed and you know, when their season ends, we'll, we'll bring them into, into Providence and give them that exposure to move forward. But he has, he has a lot of, uh, but I consider really good instincts to the game. And it now it's just putting all those, uh, all those tools and in, into, into work. One of the main instincts for you then, Jamie, is, is net front timing. Do you feel that that's going to be mostly his bread and butter when it comes to how he's going to generate offense and, and how he can utilize his frame maybe a bit more even than he does now? I think you hit it nail right on the head. You know, right now he has a little bit of a tendency to, to hang to the outside and, and, and trust his shot and, part of the transition to pro hockey and having success is getting to the net at the right times, getting to those spots. Um, and you have to do it. Um, you have to do it consistently. You have to be reliable in those areas. And you know, we're, we've started that focus with him in the last, you know, last 12 months of you know, doing a little bit of video work and a little bit of, you know, re reaffirming some of the stuff that he, that he does well. And, uh, you know, we'll continue to do that. And, you know, we're, we're in no hurry with him. He's, he's another one with a, a younger body that uh, is still filling out and you know, he's, he's skinny and has, has some work to do in those areas, but, but he's doing it and we'll continue to, to improve as a player. And, you know, we look forward to continuing to work with him and, and help him get to where he wants to be. How much is putting him in a position where he's almost forced to play inside the paint all the time, like a bumper position on a power play where he has to play within people around him in that enclosed area so that he becomes more comfortable with playing in that confined area and not having that open space. I think Shane, that's one of the the biggest challenges that I've found with, with these players is they don't, quite understand it until they see it themselves at, at the next level. They still have a level of success in junior playing the way that they are and their talent level or, you know, abilities just allow them to have that success that it's hard for them to understand completely. Um, so, yeah, it'll be the daily practice, the, you know, the, the way we, the way we play within our structure, the way we, you know, pound those details in daily at the in, in Providence and at the pro level that that when guys grasp it is when they they're able to make that make that jump and, and the ones that aren't able to, uh, you know, have a hard time. Well, Jamie, I want to thank you very much for coming on our show. We always appreciate the insight and safe travels. Appreciate it. Thanks, Shane. Thanks, Brad. That's uh, Jamie Langbrenner, the assistant general manager for the Boston Bruins. Brad, I'm going to take a short break. We'll be back right after these messages. Welcome back to Hockey Prospect Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We are back and powered by PowerPlayer, hockey player development software at thepowerplayer.com. We're continuing our ongoing topic and segments with Dr. Kevin Willis, sports psychologist and mental coach. Kevin, thank you very much for coming on the show again. We always appreciate it. Absolutely. 
Well, as we continue to talk about your book, Hockey Grit, Grind in Mind, and as we go through each of the chapters and discuss the topics, we are just ending in chapter two uh, in the section of Passion to Start. And in this, the final topic is, what are you willing to do? And I've been waiting for an entire week to talk to you about this Mm -hmm. segment because, you know, we talk about in hockey, will is a skill, but will is a skill in life and what are you willing to do like what are you willing to do comparative to what everybody else is willing to do because the most you know the most successful the most dangerous people in this planet are the people who have the willingness to do what others will not um how do you evaluate that in a person from a clinical psychology standpoint and then I know you have you an evaluation process that that per, that player has to evaluate themselves. But I find at a young age, people don't always are not always the best self evaluators. So how do you sort of yeah, balance between what you see and what you've like from your data and your information that you've accumulated, what your assessment is and the, what the assessment is of that person when they talk about what I'm willing to do? Right. Yeah. And, and you're, you're, you're really onto something because, you know, young players, um, well, all players, they can tell you what they're going to do, who they're going to be, what they're going to accomplish. And, 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 and they believe it, you know, but talk is cheap. Talk is not reality. And so what we have to do is we have to make sure that our behavior, that our actions are, you know, backing up our words and so when I talk about are you willing, you know, what are you willing to do in, in all of this is, is understand it's, it's when we put together this idea that it's the passion that got you going, right? The belief that you have what it takes to, to do it, to execute or to learn how to do it, right? Because you got to believe that with hard work, I'll be able to learn these things and get better and better and better. And then, which brings us to, and you got to be willing to do all the things that, you know, you say you want to do. So, I, I sort of break it down into like four areas. First is when you talk about what you're going to accomplish, who you're going to be, can you see it in your mind's eye, right? Can you picture it? Can you see yourself doing and achieving all of these things that you want, right? And I think being able to visualize it, to be able to see it in your mind's eye makes it more real. It's not just words coming out of your mouth. It's now a movie I can put on the screen and I can project to it. All right. So that's really important. The second thing is, you know, am I dedicated to to working on the skills that I need to, you know, be successful in this in this sport? Um, and that's that's again, that's not anything I can do other than to to make sure that a player that is talking the talk is actually walking the walk, right? So that this really comes down to behavior, right? Are you doing the things that you said? Um, number three is, are you willing to put in the work when it's really hard? Are you willing to stay with it when it's not fun and you're not making the strides that you'd hoped, right? That persistence piece we talked about in grit, that's got to be there. And that's not something we can talk about and, and say with our words. It's something you have to show me, right? And then the last one is, what do you want to sacrifice, you know, to do this, to play at a high level? There are other things that you're not going to be able to do. And I know for young people, 
you know, this can be their whole world. But as you get older, you know, 15, 16, 17, you know, the 16 year old that's starting to drive. Well, you know what? The world opens up in a big way when you can learn how to drive. Am I still willing to sacrifice some of those things to to, you know, achieve my goal? So, again, it comes down to are you is your actions supporting the words that you're telling me? Kevin, you're talking about actions and, and, and how they support passion. Uh, talk about just the significance of self-perception, self-awareness for the initial ignition phase when it comes to the passion and how it can take over. Well, you know, I think in the beginning when we're really excited about someone, infatuated with something, um, we, we're so enamored with it that I don't think that we are so worried about how we look, right? It's just so fun. You know, and I'll, I just want to do it. As we get better, as we realize how much we don't know, and now we, we're sitting there going, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I can't wait till I can be like that guy and that guy, and I can't wait till I'm playing in the show and all this stuff. Now you're like, oh Lord, there's a big gap between where I am right now and where I need to be. And so who are you and what are you able to sort of hold on during that, that part of the journey when there is a ton, a ton of unknown. And so that, that, that trigger gets the excitement going, but you've got to, to have something to keep you on course. And I think that's really what it comes down to is that willingness to do the work, the willingness to pay the price uh, so that you can achieve all the things that you want, because nobody that's ever made it, you know, to the highest levels of hockey has had an easy path. Nobody has had, you know, just handed to them. They've had to sacrifice to be able to do that. And I think players need to understand that early on. You're listening to Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. I'm Shane Malloy with Brad Allen from HockeyProspect.com. Brought to you by the Power Player, hockey player development software at ThePowerPlayer.com. We're speaking with Dr. Kevin Willis, sports psychologist and mental coach. Uh, uh, continuing on with his book, Grit, Hockey Grit, Grind in Mind, in the end of Chapter 2. Uh, the topic is, what are you willing to do? It's one of the things that we, we try to on this show as well, give like personal accounts of what you're like, you know, what that means. We can talk about it, but you know, the example I use is, is one of the reasons why I actually wanted Brad to come on the show with me was I was talking to him about what he was doing and he was working, you know, at hockeyprospect.com and helping build this out and doing like hours and hours upon scouting, not just live, but video work. And he goes, Oh, by the way, I'm, I'm in university as well. So he's working his job. He's doing the hockeyprospect.com. He's still in university. And it was this, it was similar to what I was doing is I had a full-time job at the radio show. uh, And then I was in university full-time and I got two kids, right? Sounds stupid and crazy, but what are you willing to do to get to where you want to go? What do you, what do you have? Cause you're going to have to sacrifice at some point. You're going to have to sacrifice something and accept that. Like, just accept the fact that you just can't do this and it's okay. How do you translate some of those stories to, you know, your young clients that are like 15, 16, 17, 18, and like, you know, like really try to hammer home is, okay, what are you willing to do now? Now, what are you are willing to do on top of that? And now on top of that, now on top of that, because you're going to have to keep adding to that pile. Yeah. Well, again, I think it's when you see yourself, if you can visualize your, your future self, right, where am I going to be a year from now, three years from now, five years from now, then you almost, you, and this is hard for the younger uh, player to sort of get, but I think at some age, you know, that 14, 15, 16 is when it starts to click. And at some point, you, you have to ask yourself, what would my future self 
expect from me right now, right? So say my future self five years from now, and I'm trying to make a decision. I'm trying to figure out who I am and what I'm doing. And, and, and me right now, I don't have that experience. I don't have that, you know, vision of, of what I can be unless, you know, I sort of planted it, but I can make a decision. How would my future self handle this? How would my future experienced, more mature self deal with this, right? And, and I know when I'm helping players with adversity and stuff like that, I always go back to what, what, what do you want to be? What, what do you want to do? How are you going to accomplish all those things that you say you want? If you can't make decisions, I say, step inside your future self. How is your future self deal with this? And then they can make a decision. The thing about, you know, when we jump in the university and all those things, we know at some point, we're going to have that degree, right? We're going to have that knowledge and experience that the university brings to us, but we don't have it in the beginning, but we know we will have it. Right. And so I think I just, I just want players to be able to do sort of that same thing be able to project because you know what, you're going to be something down the road. You might as well go ahead and, and sort of visualize what that's going to be now, because now you're actually on a better path to achieve those things. Absolutely. Well, we're going to take a quick break on Hockey Prospect Radio with Dr. Kevin Willis, and we'll be back right after these important messages. Did you know you can open Upper Deck Hockey Packs any time of the day from anywhere in the world? Well, if you haven't checked out Upper Deck ePack yet, you're really missing out. Open NHL trading cards from your smartphone, tablet, or computer and conduct trades with other collectors all over the world. These are not just digital cards. You can actually store cards for free on Upper Deck ePack and have them shipped to you for a nominal fee. Check out the new wave of collecting at UpperDeckEPack.com. That's Upper Deck, the letter E, and Pack.com. Instat Hockey offers the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. Trusted by leagues, teams, coaches, and scouts at every level of the game. There is no better choice than Instat to help in the areas of evaluation, development, and exposure for your brand. Their unmatched database saves coaches and scouts hours of time as individual player shifts and stats are pre-cut into separate playlists. Also, the option to edit, share, or download your own clips using Instat Instat's video editing tools. Visit instatsport.com hockey today for more information. Instat, the Institute of Statistics. What does every competitive hockey player, no matter their age or ability level, need from their coaches? They need knowledge that'll help them improve in specific areas, and they need to know how they're doing. PowerPlayer brings clarity to the development process and helps build stronger relationships and trust between coaches, players, and parents. A feedback platform built around performance evaluation system, PowerPlayer helps coaches provide individualized instruction, performance metrics, and ratings, and comments and video directly to players. Visit thepowerplayer.com today and get in the feedback game. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, bantam, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Prospect News and Analysis. This is Hockey Prospect Radio with Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We are back 
and powered by Power Player, the hockey player development software at thepowerplayer.com. We're speaking with Dr. Kevin Willis, sports psychologist and mental coach. Uh, Kevin, as we delve now into chapter three of your book, Hockey Grit, Grind and Mind, uh, chapter three is about perception. And this is a really fascinating topic, not only for myself, but for Brad. Uh, and it's about becoming self-aware, uh, you know, and I, I think that's a really hard aspect for a lot of young people to really grasp. They think they're self-aware. But boy, as you like get a little bit older and um, you age and get more experience and been around the block and you've taken some ass weapons, um, your self-awareness really like, you know, evolves very, very quickly. Talk about it from your perspective about helping them young players or even even like young adults learn about how to become self-aware, what that really means. And then do you are there tools and things that you can use to help them become more self-aware because you can, it's one of those things that you can talk about, but if you don't get it, you just don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think when, as you know, young players coming up um, just people in general, younger, younger uh, kids and, and, you know, teens and whatnot, for the most part, they're just living their life, right? They're just sort of going through and doing what they do, going to school and hanging out with parents and friends and, and when playing hockey and all that kind of stuff. And it's just, the world's just sort of happening to them. Right. And they're not really paying attention to what that means, how it makes them feel, what they end up doing because of that. They're just sort of going through life. And I think when I start to share with them that, you know, we, we talked about that triad before about how what you think affects how you feel, which affects your behavior, right? So that that understanding of those those pieces to it. So when I start to talk about being aware of, of your thoughts, being aware of how they make you feel, being aware of what you're actually doing, you know, it's surprising, but, you know, research says that, that they're about 90 to 95% of our day, we're sort of just floating through it, you know, sort of unaware of all the stuff. We're on automatic pilot, right? everything is a routine. We get up, we do this, we eat, we go here, we go there. And it's just, we're just sort of floating through and we're not really paying attention to what's going on. But when I think about hockey, when I think about investing as much as you can into something that you want to be great at, you better learn how to pay attention. And when I talk about perception, you know, perception is a funny word. I think really what it means is self-awareness, right? Self-awareness is what I'm talking about. It's looking inwards, right? It's trying to well, become self-aware. You can't change anything about yourself if you can't recognize it, if, you, if you're not able to see it. And so that is something that can be tricky to begin to expose. But once you sort of kind of click with that, then all of a sudden there's a lot of things that we can do, a lot of things that we can learn. And all of a sudden, you know what, I can actually, I have a little bit more control over this life of mine than I even thought. Well, Mark, to your point, I, th I think this is one of the most important topics when it comes to off-ice combine interviews. If you ever want to see a prospect move up in rankings because of their off-ice performance at, uh, during the interview process, it's always because it's the prospect that's more self-aware. They know what they are, and they know the development curve that they need to take in order to make the NHL. It gives, it gives scouts and executives a lot more confidence and a lot more stability within their projection. And I just... I think it's a really important uh, uh, topic that we're, we're breaching here. And one of the most important things about it that I don't think is brought up enough, I wanted to get your opinion on this, Kevin, was that I find that self-awareness, a lot of it has to do with emotional regulation. Meaning if you're not emotionally regulated, then you can't emotionally dissociate in a moment, recognize 
why you're upset or why you're angry or why you're feeling the emotional state you are. You lack the perceptibility to pull back and then emotionally or to, to evaluate it without an emotional, uh, any sort of emotional output. Uh, can you talk about just emotional regulation no. and how you apply it to uh, self-perceptibility and self-awareness and, and how that speeds development? Absolutely. You know, you, you talk about being able to sort of dissociate, to separate from that, say, anger or that frustration or that anxiety that you're feeling. And we, we, have, tend to, we have a tendency to think we are how we feel, right? We are mad. We are anxious. We are frustrated. When in fact, we're just having these feelings of anger. We're having feelings of, of frustration and, and nervousness, right? So we aren't our emotions. We're having our emotions. And so that, that tells us that there, there's actually a separation between the two, right? I am not my emotion. And so what we do is when we start to talk about triggers, right? So, so what got you angry? What, what was it that made you so mad? And they're like, well, I guess it was when so-and-so did such and such, or so-and-so said such and such, right? Okay. Let's talk about that for a second. And then, so now we're talking about a trigger, a very specific thing, right? That trigger that made you think something. Okay. And when you thought that you immediately started feeling something. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about that gap between those two. Right. And so, for them, I keep talking about this triad, thinking, feeling, and doing, right? But the reality is, if we can teach them how to break that out, then we can start to intercept. We can start to intercept these, these different phases and then make a decision. And part of that is, um, wait, I talk about you know mindfulness training, and I think we've talked about this in the past, but being able to be aware, right, to to being able to slow down and, and recognize what your thoughts are, being able to slow down and recognize how they sort of just run all over the place. But if once we start training in that, and once we start connecting the, the thought to the feeling to the uh, behavior, then we have a creation of a gap. Mindfulness allows us to see into that gap. It allows us to sort of widen that gap and it gives us an opportunity to make a decision. So I think some of the, the best, you know, athletes out there have a, a, a unique skill of being able to recognize when they're getting ready to sort of lose it. Right. But that didn't happen when they were young. They had to learn how to do that. They had to learn how to recognize that that whole process of, of thought, feeling, uh, in action. And so I think self-regulation is spot on dissociate, dissociating the thought and the feeling from the actions is, is spot on. And, and I, you know, I applaud you for recognizing that in the players that you're, you know, you're sort of scouting and working with and everything, because that's super, super powerful for being able to get the very most out of the people that you're working with. Kevin, question to follow up, obviously what Brad said, when you said about mindfulness and how important that is, um, does breathing techniques and using other mindfulness tools, will that help enhance that ability to become more self-aware? Because I've seen uh, different tools used to be able to put yourself in a situation to be have more mindfulness, but also how much does it go back to simply just stop, breathe, and then think and using breathing techniques to help um, sort of get yourself into that mindfulness mode? 
Yeah, well, the reason we use breathing for sort of our anchor for, for mindfulness training is it's something we can put our thought on. But if you've ever done any kind of mindfulness training, you'll recognize that if you're paying attention to your breaths, you can do that for a couple, right? And then all of a sudden your mind sort of drifts away. It's like it's like having a puppy, right? You've got a puppy and it's fun and all of a sudden it just sort of wanders off and sort of gets into stuff, right? And so you've got to recognize it. Oh, what are you doing over there? Come, get back over here, get back over here, right? But see, it's even more than that because I can say, so tell me about that. Tell me about where your mind went. Tell me where it was and then tell me how you brought it back. How did you do that, right? And so we're actually learning how to recognize where our thoughts are and then to bring them back to some place that is more helpful. And again, when I talk about mindfulness, I'm teaching them how to recognize the gap between thought and feeling because that happens so fast. I mean, that is like microseconds fast, right? I have a thought, I have a feeling, boom. And now once that feeling takes over, it sort of just rushes through us. And now all of a sudden, you know, it's almost like we're sort of taken over and here comes this behavior, here comes the actions, right? Which tend to not serve us when they're negative emotions, right? So again, mindfulness helps us understand the gap, but it also teaches us to sort of draw our attention to a, a place in time, right? An anchor that, that we can look up and say, wow, I, I did that. I did that. I recognized my thoughts were wandering and I brought it back. How cool is that? Absolutely. Uh, want to thank you very much for coming on our show again. We always appreciate it. Uh, we look forward to speaking to you next week. And for our other guests, Mark Yates from Instat, our player profile, Pat Malloy for our player development segment. And I also want to remind everyone that the U18 World Championships start on Monday in Frisco, Texas and uh, Plano, Texas. So don't miss it. This is the biggest tournament uh, for the upcoming draft. So Looking forward to that. So it's been another edition of Hockey Prospect Radio. For myself, Shane Malloy, and Brad Allen, we will see you at the rink. Did you know you can open Upper Deck Hockey Packs any time of the day from anywhere in the world? Well, if you haven't checked out Upper Deck ePack yet, you're really missing out. Open NHL trading cards from your smartphone, tablet, or computer and conduct trades with other collectors all over the world. These are not just digital cards. You can actually store cards for free on Upper Deck ePack and have them shipped to you for a nominal fee. Check out the new wave of collecting at UpperDeckEPack.com. That's Upper Deck, the letter E, and Pack.com. Instat Hockey offers the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. Trusted by leagues, teams, coaches, and scouts at every level of the game. There is no better choice than Instat to help in the areas of evaluation, development, and exposure for your brand. Their unmatched database saves coaches and scouts hours of time as individual player shifts and stats are pre-cut into separate playlists. Also, the option to edit, share, or download your own clips using Instat Instat's video editing tools. Visit instatsport.com slash hockey today for more information. Instat, the Institute of Statistics. What does every competitive hockey player, no matter their age or ability level, need from their coaches? They need knowledge that'll help them improve in specific areas, and they need to know how they're doing. PowerPlayer brings clarity to the development process and helps build stronger relationships and trust between coaches, players, and parents. A feedback platform built around performance evaluation system, PowerPlayer helps coaches provide individualized instruction, performance metrics, and ratings, and comments and video directly to players. Visit thepowerplayer.com today and get in the feedback game. 
outside edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on and off ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, bantam, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca.